Section 1. The Crisis of Creation If you travel to Philadelphia and stand at the corner of Market and Sixth Streets, you'll see the bare bones of an outdoor exhibit on the site where George Washington lived and worked during the last six years of his presidency. Except for the white spire of Independence Hall looming a block away, it is an uninspiring installation. But even this half-hearted marker, officially designated as a memorial to America's original sin of slavery, is an improvement over the public toilet, slapped with a small brass plaque that squatted here for half a century. The indignity came after the three-and-a-half-story red-brick building, occupied by two presidents and their families, senior staff, nine slaves and seventeen servants, was briefly repurposed as a hotel, then a storefront topped by a boarding house. The executive mansion was torn down in 1832 and replaced by a series of shops, including a ladies' shirtwaist factory, a party provision store named Zorn's, and a laundromat loftily called Washington Hall, all at the heart of a busy downtown business district. The only suggestion of the original presence was a whisper of its outline visible on an adjoining brick building. In 1954, the block was demolished to accommodate the creation of the Liberty Mall. But once upon a time, This was the place where the precedent of the American presidency was established every day amid tumultuous fights that threatened the young republic's life just 20 years after its birth. So set your mind to 1796, as the sounds of cars and sirens give way to horse hooves and wagon wheels on cobblestone. The streets smell of manure, the rooms of tobacco. Americans are celebrating the 20th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence, as Tennessee becomes the 16th state to join the Union. The first U.S. passport is issued. The first American cookbook is published. And the first elephant arrives on American soil as a curiosity from India. Most momentous, George Washington announces he is walking away from the power of the presidency, kicking off the first real presidential campaign. By the end of his second term, two party factions had emerged, fighting for dominance as the president struggled to stay above the fray attacked on all sides, while keeping faith with what he called the arduous trust of the presidency. Washington delivered his country to his successors in far better condition than he found it. As Supreme Court Chief Justice and New York Governor John Jay wrote, his administration raised the nation out of confusion into order, out of degradation and distress into reputation and prosperity. It found us withering. It left us flourishing. Two blocks from the Philadelphia Executive Mansion were the offices of warring partisan newspapers, getting into the groove of freedom by hurling insults at the president. And on one stormy Monday, this spot was the hinge upon which American history turned. On the afternoon of September 19, 1796, readers of Claypool's American Daily Advertiser paid six cents and scanned the front page to find the customary catalog of want ads and items for sale, Irish linens, Madeira wine, and runaway slaves. When they opened the paper to the second and third pages, they found the space almost entirely occupied by a single item of dense text addressed to the people of the United States, beginning with the words, Friends and Fellow Citizens, and signed simply at the end in small type, G. Washington. It was the scoop of a century, a retirement notice that would change the world President Washington, the father of the unruly nation, announced that he would not seek a third term. 
With his decision, fears about American democracy devolving into a dictatorship were ended, but an uncertain future now lay ahead. George Washington was not a chatty man, and his farewell could have been as brisk and cordial as much of his official correspondence. He announced his intended departure right at the top, then writing after six taut paragraphs, Here, perhaps, I ought to stop. But he did not stop there. A solicitude for your welfare, which cannot end but with my life, and the apprehension of danger, natural to that solicitude, urge me on an occasion like the present, to offer to your solemn contemplation, and to recommend to your frequent review some sentiments which are the result of much reflection, of no inconsiderable observation, and which appear to me all important to the permanency of your felicity as a people. They were, he wrote, the disinterested warnings of a parting friend.